Welcome back to the Film Hole Podcast, a podcast about films, movies, pictures, features, and the people that watch them. And that's us. I'm Trevor. And I'm Raul. I'm a filmmaker. And I'm a scientist. Every week or so, we try and watch a movie. And then we talk about it. And this week, we watched... The Green Knight that came out in 2021, directed by David Lowry, starring Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, and Barry Cogan. Based on the 14th century poem, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. The IMDb synopsis is, an epic fantasy adventure based on the timeless Arthurian legend. The Green Knight tells the story of Sir Gawain, Dev Patel, King Arthur's reckless and headstrong nephew, I didn't realize he was his nephew, who embarks on a daring quest to confront the eponymous Green Knight, a gigantic emerald-skinned stranger and tester of men. Gawain contends with ghosts, giants, thieves, and schemers in what... Someone's knocking at my door. Hold on a second. <laughs> this, is, this is a disaster. So I apologize for the interruption there. So do we need? I don't a- know. I don't know how we're gonna recover from this ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's just uh, jump jump into the film. Sure. Justin, you are the only one out of the three of us who have, like, actually, uh, well, has like experience with the source material. So what's that all about? That's what's extremely. That's extremely generous. Uh, generously phrased. Uh, I read it in college. I don't remember I don't remember anything about it really other than I know he is challenged by the night that seems fairly faithful. He's challenged by the night, you know, a year and a day, I think is what it is, and then he ventures off. He goes through like vague adventures, but we don't really know what those adventures are. He meets the okay. lord and the lady and there's like an odd little bargaining um subplot there and then he goes to the green knight and it has kind of a cheeky ending where you find out well we can talk about that later i guess how how the ending relates to the movie but you find out it's all a big is a big game is the original is the original uh movie centered around christmas or the original poem surround surrounded around christmas uh, it is yeah it's christmas time i don't know if it's christmas day um necessarily but it is like the end of the year Hmm. i'm honestly just like surprised that christmas is that old well it's two thousand years old uh technically i don't know it just feels like i understand that like christmas is the the celebration of the birth of christ but it it feels like something that uh people in the 19 like 40s invented (laughs) <laughs> based on my my understanding of it i mean that's true right like it is like yeah. the consumer holiday was invented mere you know decades ago yeah that's my point is i yeah it it feels much younger and so like in this movie something that's clearly like ancient when they're saying like is it christmas like is it christmas day i'm like get the fuck out of here <laughs> it totally takes me out of the movie for just a moment from if I'm like art from my armchair historian understanding of it is that like people have been celebrating like vaguely around like that time of the year for a long time, just like traditions that go way back. It seems I don't like know how much of it. It, 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 it trans- I wonder if they called it Christmas back then. 
it seems like celebrating around like the end of winter or the end of the year seems something like transcendent of Christ and Christmas, right? Yeah. The yeah. inner, yeah, the inner like our atheist per, like voice in my head, I think wants to say that it's the, it's the winter solstice celebration. And I think Saturnalia is what the original, uh, the original celebration was called. And that was like co-opted by Christianity. That was a pagan holiday. I'm totally pulling this out of my ass, but it's, you're right. Like it is something that's just ancient. It's much, it's much older than Christ. Other than saying the word Christmas, like, was there anything else super Christmassy about the movie? Jingle bells. Jingle bells? Uh, there's a lot of jingle bells as a motif. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, uh, the girlfriend. And like the song? The... Like, that one definitely didn't exist back then. <laughs> the, the prostitute girlfriend, who is also the same actress as the lady from The Lord and the Lady. Uh-huh she like has like a jingle bell and it's sort of like her callback okay. like to connect like dev patel and her other than that i don't know i, just I like it that bells. it's kind of christmas it's kind of like this uh it evokes this idea of like ancient christmas that yeah. i think like you kind of picked up on trevor that's mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about and it's just mm-hmm. like it's just a neat idea it's just like a mashup of christmas and antiquity and all this like night stuff yeah just hearing like the night like say the word christmas is like kind of an interesting unexpected thing well doesn't he even say like what day is it 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 felt very much like an intentional christmas carol um totally the way he put it the way uh christmas carol is like a great way to put it where he's just like is it christmas like yeah he's like what day is it Mm -hmm. when he first shows up to the green knights like cave or whatever yeah it's very like I don't know, 90s, like, cartoon movie <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt that, I felt that. Like, they played around with that kind of, like, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. For sure. Ralph Innocent, by the way, would make a great Scrooge. Just putting that out there right now. <laughs> Dibs on that idea. <laughs> It'd be, like, the most uh, dramatic, like, cinematic version of Scrooge that's ever existed. I do. I want to touch back on the subject of Justin you kind of having all this foreknowledge of this story and like you've read it before and I'm curious because I don't have any of that I in fact I I chose this movie I just picked it because like I wanted to go to the movie theater it had just opened up like I'm like I I was like a block away from a movie theater and I just wanted to watch it I didn't even know it was a medieval epic at all and so I had a very different experience watching the movie so I'm just curious like what did that knowledge do for your viewing experience nothing because again i don't remember much from it all i know is that like the broad strokes of the story because it's a famous it's just like a famous story right so in the way that like uh probably everyone knows let's say everyone knows the broad strokes of a bible story but then you actually read it and you're like that's weird i don't remember that detail i think there's a lot of that in the poem where i mean it's a long ass medieval poem right like i there's a lot to it and it's pretty heavy so i don't remember shit from it other than basic plot points and broad strokes so i came in it basically blind like i knew i expected uh where it was going but that's what's cool about the movie is even or maybe especially if you know where it may be headed it takes a lot of left turns or at least throws curveballs at you um 
things happen in ways that you wouldn't have expected them to happen. And I, it's kind of interesting in that regard. What's like a, what's like a softball example of that? Cause I know there's like a question of like, if he actually dies at the end and then like from just a little bit of research I did, like there's this thing about who the green knight actually is, but I don't know, maybe what's like the, the lowest, like, barrier to entry example of that well that's probably yeah that's probably the the biggest just in terms of how they present it because if you know how the poem ends do we want to talk about that or do we want to wait to talk about how the poem ends versus the movie i'm curious yeah tell me tell me how does the poem end yeah and trevor if you just you said you recently read about this so you can correct me if there's any i'm getting wrong but I think how it ends is he goes to the Green Chapel. He's at he's met the Lord and the Lady. He goes to the Green Chapel. Uh, he bends down. They go through the rigmarole of almost him almost thwacking uh, Gawain, Gawain, and um, and they have an exchange, Gay-wing. and then eventually it happens, and he doesn't hurt him, or he kind of just pretends he feigns it. And um, and then he laughs and like Scooby Doo's his head off, and it's uh, Joel Edgerton's character, the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. basically, it's like, haha, great, great job uh, playing this game. Um, you go off now. And so it's it's a big morality tale, right? About about pride and nobility and yeah. The Green Knight was the Lord. Yes. Like from That's the nearby what I- town. That's what I read, too. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think. know that. So the original story, like, he survived, like, Sir Gawain survives either yeah, way. Yeah. The thing that I really wanted to talk about in the movie is maybe at the halfway point, after he's ambushed by those uh, thieves or bandits, there's this big, like, 360 shot where it, turns around and like you see the skeleton of Dev Patel's character like at the base of the tree and then it goes all the way back around and he's like still tied up and he gets away and escapes and I think I actually like said to you Justin when we watched that I was like I want to talk about this but like we intentionally didn't talk about it for this podcast so like I have some theories of like what's that what that's all about but I don't know. What do I was you in the bathroom think? during that part. I, like, <laughs> I can identify. I like. I know which part I missed, and it was that part. Like when he got pillaged by the bandits and like left to die, tied up to the tree. Would you like me to describe the scene for you? So I came back like when he escaped the tree. Like he escaped the ropes, and he was like crawling around or something. Okay, but I never saw I, what happened. With I, I'd like to. I'd like to tell you about like what happened between you leaving to the bathroom and when you came back. <laughs> So, like, there's a very slow, so, like, you see this POV shot of him, like, at the base of the, the tree. Like, Sorry, struggling. can I just interrupt real quick? Uh-huh. Another, I, I picked the worst times to go to the bathroom. When I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I left for the the Bruce Lee fight scene. Like, one of the oh, coolest no. scenes in the movie. I yeah. left and came <laughs> back. I never knew there was, like, a Bruce Lee character in the movie. <laughs> Surprised me. And it's, like, one of the most, like, talked about parts oh my gosh okay continue so 
uh, he's tied up on the tree. And it's like a POV shot, this wide angle shot. And you see him struggling at the base of the tree. And then the camera pans around 360 degrees. And you see like seasons or something change throughout the trees. And then like at the base of the tree, you see a skeleton like where he used to be. So it's implied sort of that like a lot of time has passed and he just died and like rotted away right there. But then the camera continues moving another 360 degrees and it goes right back to the original point in time where he's just at the base of the tree. He's like struggling, trying to get away. So like it goes through this sort of like alternate timeline thing where you see like him not escaping and then it comes back around and now he's... He's primed to Which is obviously movie. just like it's like the same thing happens as, with the ending of the movie. With the whole vision of his alternative life. Sure. And yeah. then coming right back to the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's very interesting. I can't believe I missed that. So I don't know if like that I'm I'm reading too much into it, but I was just like, ooh, like alternate universe stuff. Like when I saw that part. No, I think that's go, right go on. on. Go on. I don't know. It just seems like, okay, so like that's a version where he just didn't make it out because the the movie, and maybe I was like tuned into this by talking to you ahead of time, Justin, or maybe doing research, but I knew that like the movie was taking liberties with the original thing, the original source material. So I was sort of looking for like, okay, different versions of the timeline in the movie being aware of that and so that was the first example that i saw of that it's like oh he's dead here's like one choose your own adventure outcome of this story and like the ending same thing that's so i i agree broadly i would say the way i see that is probably simpler and less cool and that's (laughs) it's just him imagining it and telling himself fuck i don't want to die that way that's not that's not how a knight dies kidnapped by child bandits and so immediately he's like i gotta get out of here and he actually does like he so it's like right after that he's like he goes and and unropes himself it's his own like projection of the future i think so i think that's him seeing the lack of a any sort of legend around his name which is what his quest is right it's it's to go find his legend basically right i like that that kind of fits in with the ending too because if it's you know coming from his own internal you know just thinking about his own life and what he wants it to be the ending then becomes him like legitimately like becoming really moral and just like the standard of like what the knight should be as far as like their code of valor and whatever that means that he went through his own, like, in his head, he's like, I don't want to make this decision to run away because I would be, like, dishonest. I would be a, a fraud. He, come, he, he, this all clicks to him in the moment. He's like, okay, I need to allow myself to, you know, even if I die, I need to take this axe to the back of the head. Right. Well, yeah. I I feel like that's what the the whole movie is about him like faking it until he makes it is Mm -hmm. because he didn't have any sort of story like the reason that he like faces the green knight in the first place at least like from the movie 
It's because that he doesn't have any sort of fable surrounding him. He's like, oh, this Green Knight showed up. Like now's my chance to be like a a guy like in the story. He jumped into it, right? Yeah. And he's like, do you understand? Like King Arthur's like, do you understand what's going on? And he's like, yeah, yeah I think so. Because <laughs> I remember when I first watched the movie the first time, he the Green Knight laid out the whole like stakes of the challenge. And Dev Patel is like, I volunteer or whatever. Uh-huh. And King Arthur is like, do you understand what's going on right here? Gawain is like, yes, I think so. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I really hope that this is segueing into like them explaining it more because I don't fully understand it at this point <laughs> like while watching them. I was in so the same re- position myself. So like, I was when like very said, much like, do you in Dev's. When King Arthur was like, do you understand what's going on here? I was like, me as the audience member, I was like, can you explain? please explain it more <laughs> I, I was kind of i felt like dev i was like kind of i mean i heard the words said but i feel like i'm missing a lot of context so like i feel like i kind of get what's going on with the year timeline and like i pay you back for what you did to me right but yeah which i, like, I felt very much like that which i think i i i understood sort of the basic bones of the challenge when he first said it and when Dev, like, chose to decapitate the Green Knight, I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Like, the... Uh... <laughs> that's yeah. That, yeah. that feels like it should have been more obvious, like, to Gawain in the moment. It's just like, you should not decapitate the guy. I think that's the point, though, is that he, he went for the most extreme, most, like, um, superficially uh, heroic and legendary and badass way to hurt him right not even considering the ramifications of what he was doing right he it Mm -hmm. wasn't a measured it wasn't a measured knightly uh response at all if it was it he wouldn't have decapitated him he would have done a non-lethal interesting if he wouldn't have been so hot-headed to begin with he wouldn't have been in any problems a year later on totally yeah Yeah. that's that's i think that's the first other than him waking up in a brothel, I think that's the first like real indicator of his character. <laughs> Can we talk really quickly about his whole like intro sequence of waking up in the brothel and then like going home? It's like a it's like a teenager from like a '90s movie like introduction. It Just totally like, is. Yeah. It totally it's like where you, it's like where you been all night? It's like oh I've been out, mom. Like get off my case, mom. And he's just like a knight in king arthur's yeah. round table <laughs> and i love it totally it's this thing they do where he's like socially he's like the coolest guy ever like everybody he passes he has like like a little bit to do with them and he's like to say to them i love that he's sort of like an up-and-coming sort of entrepreneurial uh figure uh in the context of knighthood because uh-huh. Uh, I think his girlfriend is like, are you, are you a knight yet? And he's like, no, 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 not yet. Like, I've got time. Like, I'm working on it. It's like some, like, if some chick who's, like, boyfriend is, like, in tech or whatever, he's like, oh, but, like, the, 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 the company is about to take off, like, next week or whatever. It's, like, the yeah, same, yeah, 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 yeah. the same dialogue. So that's a really, like, sneaky way to, like, get, I don't know, a really, like, funny character dynamic in there. But, like, him doing that and then like going back to his house and i guess they're just like a wealthy family and he's got his own room and he crashes in there but all of it feels that that sequence in particular feels more modern than like the feels so familiar i think that's something i'm glad you hit on that because i absolutely agree and i think it's something that 
they do purposely throughout to like make the movie feel so real like they, they almost found a way to take all of the romanticization out of like 13th century medieval society and kind of make it seem like yeah you could be dropped into that world and like you would th- be yeah 100 like a human they are now just like with the different I feel well. I feel like I've seen. I feel like I've seen that whole like. Oh, it's just this shitty teenager in like a different time in human history, right? I, I feel like uh-huh. I've seen that trope before, uh, but for whatever reason, maybe I, I don't feel like I've seen it in like a medieval context or like uh, a medieval context that like is kind of serious or is like is based on something bigger. It just feels like a little different because I feel like. I don't know, you could, like, point at any, like, Disney movie, right? And be like, oh, there's just, yeah. like, a fucking yeah. teenager in right. uh, Knights and Princesses. But this one feels a little bit different, and it caught me off guard. It does feel a little bit special. Yeah. it. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Disney, because he re- totally reminded me of a mid-to-late 90s, uh, like, Disney protagonist. The way he, at least in the beginning, the way he, like, moved was very Aladdin, very, like... You know those it's like those character models of the mid to late yeah. 90s Disney movies like they're kind of like like smooth and lanky and they have the floppy hair and they're like slender yeah. in a sexy way that a cartoon <laughs> could be you know yeah like just like sexy all what all three of us like want to be all three like <laughs> all three of us here who are five six <laughs> that's right yeah um, they're like the boys from El Dorado like that kind of <laughs> it's exactly right? that's what that's actually yeah. what i was going to mention but i didn't know if anyone would have a frame of reference for the el dorado movie bravado uh, and dude that's like one of our that's one of our film episodes is el dorado yeah i got that's a whole great. episode i can recommend to you just to get into it <laughs> cool um i do think so to the to the earlier point i do think this is very self-consciously like a quote-unquote remix of the story right because you really feel that in the way he plays with all those uh, titles, right? The different um, title cards. They mm-hmm. go through, there's one at the very beginning that goes through like six or seven different typefaces. And I think that's like a nod yeah. to how many times the story has been told, especially in later uh, pop culture in terms of movies yeah. and TV. Um, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be surprised if those are literally pulled from like the last six different uh, adaptations of a King Arthur story or a Gawain story like you know it's that this from the thing. opening like where it was kind of like an animated thing going on and like shots yeah well it's and... it's especially in the first 20 minutes I think if I remember correctly a lot of these title cards show up then and a few times he like flips through sort of fast different typefaces I think it's just his way of saying this is another iteration of this story that's been told a million times and I might be telling it differently you know what i mean huh. like a postmodern take on it if i mm, wanted to get fun. english major on it yeah so do you guys think that in this uh version of the story uh that the lord is in fact the green knight because after watching it the second time i think i knew about that whole dynamic and i was looking for clues but I'm not sure. I didn't pick up on anything like that that would have indicated it. I maybe, but I do. I think I I can't say that for sure because it doesn't. You the text doesn't really give you that, but I can say for sure 
that they are a part of this construction, this this whatever this game is, like quote unquote game. I do think they're constructed of the game. They might be yeah. real people, but they're certainly puppets of the game. They may be in on it, but yes. So like yeah. uh, the first time I watched it, without having any knowledge of the source material, when the Lord and the Lady came up, strictly by virtue of the Lady being the same actress as his prostitute girlfriend, like back in camelot or whatever uh i was just like these people aren't human like these people are something else you guys agree with that like even just the first time watching it yeah that's I mean, what my yeah, yeah. take yeah my take on it was there there's some ethereal creation or phantoms one of like the the actress was like clue number one and then there's a part where he's in like the library this might be a stretch i might be reaching here but he's in like their library and he's talking with the the lady and he's like have you read like i didn't even know all these books existed and he's like have you read all of them and she's like yeah and that like just made me think that with the amount of books that's in that room it seems impossible that's like a normal person could have read all of that so maybe she's something or somebody who's like hundreds or thousands of years old for some reason yeah. just is that like yeah. is that too much is that like me digging too far well, into the dialogue you, you may be reaching trevor but i think what you've reached is a great point <laughs> that's i absolutely agree yeah so there's this uh the soundtrack on this movie was kind of mushy so both times i saw it i had a hard time with some some of the dialogue but I swear, the soundtrack. Yeah, just the the mix, the sound mix of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I swear, at one point, it's when he's it's after he's woken up, I think, the first after the first night, and he's getting like uh, the rundown on what's going on in the house. I swear, Joel Edgerton tells him, "We were put up here, like we were put here to wait for you." He may mm. not, because that sounds very upfront. Yeah, um, but I swear he says something like that. And then later on, when he's having, they're having like an intimate conversation in front of the fire, and Joel Edgerton's like, when he tells him, "You have to give me whatever you find in this house. That's our that's our bargain." Um, he says, "Well, something to the effect of, don't you live here? Don't you know what's in this house?" And he says, "This house is full of many strange and wondrous things, or whatever, you know." indicating uh-huh. that like he he's a stranger to the house too right he's he's yeah. only just experiencing this house for the first time as well so mm-hmm. yeah i remember i remember that line pretty vaguely and it just like indicating something supernatural happening like on the right. property right <laughs> yeah supernatural beyond the fact that there's a green knight waiting to be fought like, yeah that be, even beyond that yeah I feel like the, I really enjoyed the Attack on Titan, like, giants segment of this movie, uh, but I feel like it's so forgettable. Like, that scene in the context of everything else that happens in the movie, it's, I I always just forget that that's in there. Because from what I understand from the original source material is that he... The whole thing like happens at Camelot where the Green Knight challenges him. He goes on a quest. He meets like the Lord and the Lady, and that's like the only canon part of the story. 
and everything in between that is sort of just like whatever fun imagination yeah. story yeah. stuff an adventure is implied i think yeah but the t- yeah. the i don't know the giants are very like interesting to me but because it has nothing to do with the story at large i just kind of forget that they're in there what do yeah, you think I they don't... do for the movie i don't know i think that they're for the same reason i like attack on titan <laughs> they're really like, cool <laughs> they're cool, i like yeah. big people i love like that they were just the most regular looking people the the second time right. i watched it i was much less impressed by the the visual effects of those things like they oh, just yeah. they just kind of look like normal people on a green screen like in slow motion and i don't appreciate yeah, that yeah at all yeah i don't i don't know what i to like make. that they look like regular people <laughs> i kind of i, like I kind of like that i i had qualms with the fox but the giants i didn't really have qualms with i kind of like that they um I guess I will say the first time I was disappointed because when he took the mushroom, you immediately expect like a Valhalla Rising type trip out where you're in you're I in love like that a, movie. yeah well you know what I mean right like so like a psychedelic yeah. descent into madness but in medieval times or ancient times right like that's yes. just a cool idea uh-huh. yes and then it didn't happen or it was it did happen it was just much less spectacular than I was expecting but I think the second time. I came to terms with it because I think it fits the overall tone and flow of the movie. Like, I, I feel like it might have interrupted the movie too much if he had had a psychedelic adventure. As sure. much as I would like to see that, I think as a piece of the movie, it probably is best served as is. Yeah, we kind of got half that. Like, there was like a good, I don't know, 10, 15 minute chunk of the movie that was just kind of like vague wandering around with like, swooshing sounds and light stuff going on that like ends with him meeting the the lord like that was like at the tail end of that kind of the movie's kind of psychedelic portion yeah well i feel like this structurally that makes a lot of sense if like the original uh poem is just like goes on adventure meets lord adventure stuff happens in between like you can plug whatever you want into there in like a psychedelic the the poem doesn't um lay it out anymore i I thought you said it was a long poem so i assumed it was like an odyssey style thing where there's a bunch of stuff correct me if i'm wrong justin but from what i understood it was just like he leaves camelot to go on his quest to face the green knight and then the lord and the lady is like the next bullet point in the story and everything else is sort of filler that's all (laughs) i remember and i think that's generally it i don't remember how much is actually described in terms of his adventures i do know i i'm pretty sure that it's implied that he goes on crazy adventures or at least experiences adventures um but no i don't think you get the the details Hmm. i wanted to say one more thing about the giants um i really like them because like i said i had never read the story so i just didn't know that and I, i guess i'm learning now that the giants were probably not in the story the poem but no matter like the fact that all of a sudden i'm seeing these giants and i'm like oh like giants exist in this universe like the world just became like so like more cool like they'll they'll chance upon like a giant a a squad of giants walking through the landscape like the way that we can like 
chance upon like a nice natural vista yeah like a mountain lion in the lake and like oh my god look how like amazing those... that is and they... yeah honey 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 look the giants the giants you only see them like <laughs> once a year if you're lucky so yeah i look love is it like uh they couldn't they couldn't effectively communicate with them because they were so large the low voices i love that yeah detail. i enjoy that too I think giants, I don't know, this is totally like Attack on Titan bullshit fandom speaking right now. But I just think, I don't know, giants are a fun idea and they're underutilized in media. Totally. I'm a sucker for that style of giant where it's so big that it like juts into the clouds, you know? Like there's that, you ever see Arrival, right? Yes. Arrival, when Mm -hmm. he goes into the space, or when she goes into the spaceship. And you see whatever the creatures kind of look like, and they're just giant things that like are in a cloud of mist, but they're huge. Um, yes, it's just uh, shit like that. Like just uh, you know, it's so much more mysterious. You guys ever played uh, Shadow of the Colossus? No, but I'm very familiar with the imagery. Yeah. Have you played Shadow of the Colossus, Justin? No, but I also am very familiar with the games and the. Everything about the games I know, I just haven't actually played it. Yeah. The game. I heard they remastered it on one of like the new PS PlayStation. So. Yeah. Oh, shit. I might have to download that. I'd love to have that experience. So that's sound for means... what's pumping our gas. Oh what's my God. pumping our gas. Shut the fuck Jesus up, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's the name of the segment. What's pumping our gas. And so this would be a good chance. What's that? To what's... What's that? What's gas in your ass? Yes, Raul. Yes. That's if you say that any more times, that's going to be a catchphrase, and that'll be like it'll shift from being just a thing you said a couple times to like you are. That's the that's the new name of the segment is gas in your ass. Okay. If you want to own it like that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But uh, what's pumping our gas in this segment? We will just kind of discuss or tell stories about any new media that we're been experiencing or that are excited about movies video games you know books or whatever and uh this will be a good chance you know for our guest justin wheatley who's joining us today to just let us know what's pumping his gas so justin right on well uh i'll just quickly go through a few things um i've been playing uh, Hades on the Switch for a while now. I love that game. What's that? Uh, uh, yeah, what it's is that? Uh, it is a roguelite set in the uh, underworld of Greek mythology. You play Hades' son, and the game involves you trying to escape Hades. Cool. Um, so you move up through Tartarus, Asphodel, Elysium, and then in, onto Earth, and you eventually have to fight Hades. Uh, cool. Fantastic game. Highly recommend it. Uh, I watched a couple TV shows recently. The White Lotus being one of them. Highly recommended. <laughs> Dark comedy from Mike White. Uh, the other uh, is Hacks. Just an HBO show starring Gene Smart and Lorraine Newman's daughter. Um, that's great. I'm reading a book now by Rick Perlstein about the rise of conservatism in America. Um, Ooh. That's good. And I'm also reading a short story collection about the devil. Which is a bunch of short stories by different writers about Satan himself. Old Scratch. Nick. <laughs> wow. 
about Satan himself, that, the man. That is an expansive <laughs> and eclectic series of things, Justin. Congratulations. And I did it so quickly. Justin approached this segment the same way that we all are forced to approach our uh, work meetings every Monday morning. Where we discuss make like you tell you what's... Where, what we're working on each week, and it's so uh, fucking artificial, and we have to just uh, I don't know, just say just say something. It feels like half of what everybody says is just manufactured in the moment. Certainly, that's what I do. But uh, that's what Justin just did, and I feel really intimidated by it now. Because I don't have that much. Yeah, time. I, I, I couldn't empathize with this. Like none of the things you said is something that I like had anything to say about or that I recognized at all. <laughs> like you just, uh, you could have made up everything you just said, and I'd have no way to fact check you on. Man, what if I did? That would be so cool. It would be. It would be an amazing, like, huge, like, like massive uh, balls move on your part, where you're just like these people don't know. Uh, anything of what i'm talking about so i'm just gonna like make some stuff up and they will accept this wasn't that, possible they will accept that i am the cooler person in the room you couldn't That's do right. this 10 years ago you couldn't just like make up a tv show people would be like i have a pretty good like finger on most of the tv shows right i don't right. think that's a tv show but right. like nowadays you're like yeah i have the tv guy channel okay <laughs> trevor let's hear from you well uh Per the regular pop culture pressure and then Justin Wheatley's recommendation, I've been watching uh, The Sopranos. I'm only just a few episodes in, um, but I think I'm already kind of just hooked on the the characters alone. Yes. And just allow me a little bit of vulnerability here. I think that both of you guys have seen The Sopranos, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But it feels like the story you know we've all seen you know mob mafia stories in media but this feels like a very sort of middle management story of the mafia and that's what makes it very interesting is that it's not it's not somebody at the bottom like goodfellas like working their way up to destroy or i don't know take the whole family over and it's not like a boss like uh, what's his face from godfather part two it's just like right in the middle and uh, like a middle class mafia guy and that's what i'm like really digging about it is that yeah, like totally is that part of the ethos of the show yeah totally like it's i mean uh i think the show was aware of the fact that the mafia was barely even a thing at that point you know by the late 90s 2000s it was its own little ecosystem but it was a small ecosystem um mm-hmm. Which is interesting. And so I think the show ultimately ends up being about like the decline of the American empire and America as like a concept. Right. And you get you get into that more as the show goes on. But it's definitely like it's everyone in decline, basically, and trying to survive and step over each other to to make ends meet. And I mean, it is a lot of money, right? He is a millionaire, but he's uh-huh. a small-time millionaire. He's right. like a two-millionaire, you know what I mean? In the context of like what you're normally used to hearing about in like mob stories, he seems like medium potatoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what's fascinating about the show is that it's it's ultimately about like how do you be a man? 
How do you be a person, run the mafia, run this corner of the mafia, and yeah, deal with your family? Just it all, it all kind of like is a reckoning, and it's fascinating. I love that show so much. I'm getting into it in this like weird, uh, probably inappropriate way where I'm just like, okay, like Tony Soprano is like a hustler. He's like trying. He's not just like at the top of the pyramid and like governing all of the mafia. He's just, you know, he's got uh, his fin- like his hands in certain things and he's got like control over certain people. But he's still like, he's not the top guy. And so, like, as a recent, like, homeowner and, like, someone who's just trying to, like, fix up my house, I'm like, this is really inspiring to me. Just someone is... who's <laughs> just fucking trying, has no idea what they're <laughs> really doing, but is That's just giving it their best shot. That is a fascinating look into your uh, pathology, Trevor, and I can't wait to hear... I can't wait to hear your your response to the show as it goes on. I'm curious <laughs> to see if that holds. Yeah, like uh, I'm sure. I think th- we got a spinoff series coming here. I'm sure my home home ownership <laughs> will follow the exact same trajectory as whatever directions <laughs> Tony Soprano is headed in in this show. <laughs> I've never watched Sopranos, but I know how it ends. Yeah, do you know how it ends, Trevor? I know, Cut like, there's a lot of, like, controversy with the, the ending shot. It's yeah. pretty vague, but... Okay. Well, I won't that, say any more, then. I know, like, I mean, it seems like people were pretty disappointed with the ending. Similar to, like, Lost or Dexter. It's absolutely not the same. And I think the ending is genius. I can't. Really? I can't wait to talk to you about it, yeah. I think it'd be a lot better, like, from Trevor's viewpoint... Because he did, he doesn't have like a lot of that pent up, just like like I need to know that a TV audience gets like when they're watching the show as it's going along. Like mm-hmm. we don't have any issues with like ambiguous endings in films, so yeah. I don't I don't think the issue is just that like that's not okay to do. I I, I think I think I'm pro, I've never seen the show, but I'm pro the ending. That's great. Yeah, it ends like an art house movie would end. And yet it yeah. was the biggest TV. It's like if Game of Thrones ended like a Fellini film. Like it's like that kind of thing, right? It was the biggest TV show on on TV. It revolutionized prestige TV. They were like, you know, the 2007 equivalent of Funko Pops being made of Tony Soprano. It's like that kind of shit. And so mm-hmm. that's why I like the ending is not only is it just to me, it's a good ending. It's also like a brave ending. He really, he really chose to go out with uh, no holds barred. That's cool. That's what like the Game of Thrones people thought they were doing when they ended that show. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but they missed the mark <laughs> by a lot. Oh, uh, well, that's cool to know. I'm looking forward to that. What's pumping my gas? You ask. Yes, I'd like to know about the all the gas up your ass gonna be another boring one the only thing i've been doing recently like did you guys hear about like the art justin are you familiar with the whitest kids email yeah the sketch oh group? shit yeah let's talk about yeah. that that's sad so that yeah that guy died and i've just been like so they've been doing this whole twitch thing the whole summer and i've been watching that and so lately i've just been like working my way through all those twitch streams like in order because i missed some like along the way i like didn't watch most of them so i'm just like working through that treating that as like uh 
uh, as like a serial like show with, sure. with, with like episodes and stuff. And sure. I was working through it. That's cool. I think the the super interesting part about uh, him dying was that Raul, you had this like grape theory about how he got into like whiskey, like towards yeah. towards yeah. the end of his life, and ha- like homemade uh, fermented whiskey distillery, or, yeah, yeah, distillery, yeah, yeah, whatever, and how that's like pretty dangerous. And you, you think he blew yeah. himself up? Yeah, or he blew himself up, or that, he, that like, was that he, was one theory I had. Or he OD'd but, uh, on like whatever like the dangerous part of like uh, distilling your own whiskey is. Sure. But I love yeah, if, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love the product. I love the fact that if you had just been like faithfully watching like the Twitch stream long enough that you could have like a pretty good idea as to like how <laughs> he died. Like an outlandish but also plausible theory of how someone dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I remember like like wasn't Trevor talking about like like making his own whiskey like he's been talking about it for a while i'm like what if that was what it was because we still haven't found out right we still do not know i would be which surprised. makes me think that it's just some boring help thing right because if that was how he died that would immediately be what you would announce because it's the funniest death right and he would yeah. be proud to have died that way and you have that great like a uh, clip or that sketch that goes with it of him like doing the whiskey diet thing the whiskey one yeah there's there's so many good there's one sketch of like where trevor in the sketch he is like our auto erotic asphyxiating himself and he accidentally like dies and then it's like a whole sketch is like his ghost pops out of the body he's like no it's the most embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) it's just so funny i'm only aware of that show because of you so really yeah it was just like me and like a friend in high school. Like he introduced me to it, Lucas who? Baker. Lucas Baker, really? Not who sure. I expected. And we just like watched them. Um, and that's it. I don't really know anybody else like in the flesh that knows about them. Do you know why does kids you know I would Justin? Say... Sure, it was like an ambiently popular <laughs> show among my friend group. I didn't watch a Maybe lot of it. Popular. I've seen I've seen enough to have a familiarity with it, but they they were like fans of it. All my friends were. Cool. Uh huh. Huh. Was this in Colorado or Manhattan? This was at Sweet Valley High. I was a character in a bunch of uh, young adult novels from the nineties. What? <laughs> it was in Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. Uh. So yeah, that's basically it. Still reading the same stuff from last week and still watching just snl you know continuously wow took up baking vegetables then rearranging my living room (laughs) say baking vegetables (laughs) yeah right in the oven baked right like into a pie no no just baked (laughs) okay but anyways moving on that sound means it's time for our next segment, which is called Holmates. The purpose of this segment is to talk about who would you watch this movie with, Green Knight? Um, what other things go well with this movie? Either snacks, other movies, other pop culture media of some kind. What pairs well? What makes a good cocktail out of this movie? I think this would be a good Christmas movie. What do you think? Because it's got like a lot of that kind of 
how how young do you think you can be and watch this movie? That's really what my question is, right? Could you show this to a eight year old? Should an eight year old so. see come? Just an open. Come, oh yeah, it's like a rhetorical question. It, it, it's not even gonna be an issue because I didn't understand what it was when I saw it. I'm like, is that come? But I <laughs> wasn't that, sure. Little nice kids are definitely not gonna like? have an issue with it. Yeah. Little kids will just be confused. You don't have to explain it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird that you see like come, but like nothing other sexually explicit. Like it kind of skips. It skips over every other step in that uh, totem pole of sexual uh, graphicness. Intentionally, yeah. right? That yeah. I think that's what makes it so striking and pathetic is that you. It feels it's no. There's no sexiness to it. There's no context of sexiness. It's just like, and so you, <laughs> you really feel the like him feeling like a piece of shit afterward. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's no glow. Yeah, yeah. It's just like disgusting. Yeah. And it was so much. I just ah, that part. I, that's why I didn't think it was come at first. I'm like, that's like too much. <laughs> it's mead. It didn't. And then it didn't dwell on it. It didn't explain it. And I'm like, oh okay. And then I put it together. Yeah. that was probably something that I just saw. Yeah. Yeah. I had kind of a similar reaction. To, on that note, I think that aside from that, I think a kid I, I think a kid should definitely watch this movie. I think it'd be a good movie for a kid to watch. I think like the whole atmosphere of it, the way it's uh fantastical, but also very grounded and like very kind of realistic looking. I think it would make a great Christmas movie. So I think you should move pair this movie with Christmas. Yeah, I agree. I think without uh, trying too hard to give a kid context, this would just like do a good job of uh, entertaining a child while simultaneously challenging their perspective of what like normal narrative filmmaking looks yeah. like. So I think it would. I wonder if they it, would like it. I think that like even if you just showed it to a kid and they like didn't get it, that it would be good for them developmentally. Like just something. Something about the structure of the movie would just like trigger like a more critical way of thinking. You would well, hope so. I, I agree. And think about like when you were a kid, think about the non kids movie movies that you liked, right? Not like the Disney movies, or the cartoons, but the more adult movies that you liked as a kid. There were always parts that were boring to you, but then there were mm. always parts that you loved and you watched it for those parts. And you didn't really care about the shit, the other shit, right? You didn't care about mm. the, like, I was just talking about my, to my wife about this the other day. Like, I had recorded Willy Wonka off the TV, and I can't count how many times I skipped the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, no one cares right. about the Chin Up Charlie song that his mom sings. You just want to get right. to the factory, right? And I think there yeah. are so many things like that that kids put up with. Like, they just understand that there are boring parts of movies. And I think if you were to show a kid this, they'd be bored for maybe 30% of the movie, but there's 70%. It would be really fun and captivating. It's, a, it's amazing that like kids can uh, silo their entertainment experience in that way. They can just be like, "This part of this whole thing sucks, and I'm just going to right. not. I'm just going to not watch that." Yeah. But if like you as an adult like walked into a movie and were just like, "We're gonna like skip to the 20 minute mark," you would just be like, "You're crazy." Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it doesn't like, make any Don't sense even watch that movie if you're going to, like, do some weird <laughs> shit like that. But, like, kids are totally fine with that. They're just like, I'm going to consume this. I'm going to consume 25% of this thing, and that is, like, totally fine with me. Totally. And it makes sense in 
the kids mind because it's like they just enjoy the movie like real time like as is mm-hmm. that what they don't like they don't even need like the backbone of like the narrative or the story like you're just being propelled through shots yeah and hopefully they're funny and colorful and exciting and they catch your attention totally yeah. sensation like they're just sensational right like he meets a yeah. crazy kid who kidnaps him there's an axe like all the all the exciting parts they just remember those that's why I, that's why i asked like would kids like this movie because it's i think slow sometimes and there'd be like segments of it where they're not too interested but i think there's like a lot of great scenes that would just would work well for a kid well i'm gonna say that you should pair as far as whole mates goes that you should pair this movie with pete's dragon okay okay uh because that's david lowry and it's about a dragon and that's all i need that's all i need to make that connection yeah what else do you what else would you want honestly do you don't need have you seen that trevor the new one no i've seen the original peace dragon from like the 70s or whatever i have too but I haven't seen the the, one, no. the, uh, the new one. I remember was really critically well received, but I don't think it did very well. No one really paid attention to it. You didn't see it. I did not. I've only seen Ghost Story. I've not seen any of his other. No, no. I've seen um, Old Man and the Gun. That's good. Okay. I haven't seen that. I would pair this movie. I agree um, with both of you guys. I would pair this movie with a fine mug of mead and. <laughs> um, I don't know what did they eat back then like kind of like really juicy little great uh tomatoes you know dates. like just like juicy tomatoes and yeah dates dates are probably whatever medieval uh, food you know oats and water mixed with berries and nuts i just yes, want to do like exactly a, um, a michael scott and just be like gruel we just say gruel <laughs> gruel. <laughs> gruel what do you guys think of the ending <laughs> Um, of the movie what did you guys think like like tell me what your thought process was when he shows up to the green knight and i just think that whole end that scene is amazing and that's why i'm so glad that i didn't know what was going on going into the movie because i was just throughout the whole journey i i'm like does he have to do this why do you have to like trek on this quest like a goddamn character from a medieval story why can't you just be a regular person and like act safely and like in your own self-interest? Can I, I let me? Gets... Can I frame your question and then we can each, yes we can each kind of answer. Yes, I think Make this into a question. Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what we thought of the ending, and more specifically, there there's a binary choice, right? Did he kill him or did he not? So, do you think he killed him or not, and why? And how do you feel about that? I don't. I don't think he killed him. Um, Uh I think that the whole return, like, there's obviously a scenario one instance, and probably like because of that thing we were talking about with the tree and the skeleton earlier. This is probably consistent with that storytelling method, where it's just like, here's a different scenario, really quick, and let's go back to like what's really happening right after that. So you see the whole thing if he runs away, like how that whole thing plays out and he ultimately decides to not go down that path because it seems like it was a vision for him. And then, uh, I don't know, just like what happens on screen after that, it seems like the knight or the green knight is just like, hey, good job for showing up. 
Like, you, yeah. get, pa- you get a pass. He feels it's it's playfully delivered that line, right? Mm-hmm. At the end. What does he say? Off with your head. Mm-hmm. Or let's take off your head or something. No, well, what was it? Because it was a line that could like be interpreted. I think both it's ways. it's that for sure. It's, it's what is it? It's like now off with your head, and like yeah. it it cuts to black. I think that's it. Now off with your head. Yeah. And I feel I, yeah. I, I feel oh, like he cool. didn't do it. And, right, right, right. And, and so that can be interpreted as like off with your head execution or off with you uh, and you'll be bringing your head with you. You'll be with your head off with oh, that's your a head. Good, I didn't Take think about head. it that way, but that's so a that, nice that that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I think I thought he did kill him. That's that was my honest interpretation of the ending, because I didn't know that in the, the story that it was just a test of his character and it was like this tale of, of of becoming like a virtuous knight and everything that the movie told me like led me to believe that this green knight literally just like kills people that like take on the challenge like the green knight seemed completely indifferent to the like the whole thing was just so banal to the green knight he's like oh you showed up okay well here we go i'm gonna do the thing i said i did i've never given you any reason to think that i would do anything other Mm-hmm. I I mean King Arthur sends him off. He's like, hey, it's just a game. You know, don't worry about it. It's just a game. But that idea was never reinforced anywhere else in the movie. So that made me think that, like, yeah, King Arthur thinks that it's just like a game, and it's just like this thing that you do. I want to. Well, well, I think it, you're just being sent to your death. Well, I think that when King Arthur said that it's just a game, I think he said that before he decapitated the Green Knight right yeah and so that was sort of his cautionary thing of like don't fucking decapitate this guy (laughs) right got it got it got it you know like i didn't know how to take it yeah i i kind of want to challenge that i do i do think it's just a game is reinforced throughout the movie or at least in parts um yeah yeah yeah. tell me so so for starters it's all orchestrated by his mom, right? Like his mom is putting him through these paces. Right. So that's your first indication that she's not really trying to kill him. She's trying to build his character. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet, but yeah, it's totally yeah, all, all, yeah. all his mom. Yes. Right. So it's only a game. I think it's only a game is said like at least a couple times throughout the runtime. I would, I would hazard a guess that later when you see, when he's returning to Camelot and you see the, the boy bandit, dazed and confused Mm -hmm. i think that's an indication that he is a pawn in this game like literally he's being controlled i don't i don't know that part was kind of odd to me but i would say that that's an indication that That the the bandit is a pawn or the the bandit okay the bandit is a pawn because you see him like stumbling right he's like very clearly under the influence of something whether that's physical or metaphysical right um and then there's the Lord and the Lady, right? Who we've all kind of agreed seem like weird supernatural constructs to some degree. Right. I think this I think this all sort of Oh, and then the fox, right? The fox which the fox has I saw someone say is voiced. the mom. Right. Yeah. And she's she like, like the, Well the the I feel like it was extremely obvious when the fox was like, Come home with me. Like it's beckoning that they both belong at the same home and like it's obviously like a voice very similar to his mother's yeah so to me it, did you guys watch it with subtitles because i didn't understand a goddamn thing that fox said really i didn't watch it with subtitles yeah, yeah. 
No, I could not get it. The last thing the fox says, or one of the last things, is just like "come home with me," and like the "with me" seems very intentionally stuck on the end there. So. Yeah, and the fox tells him to take off the. The girdle, right? The girdle. I don't remember that, but. Okay. The, the whole thing with the fox, it, it totally makes sense that it's his mom because she sort of set the whole thing up. She, like, uh, summoned the Green Knight or whatever with that Satan ritual at the beginning. That's what I thought she did. And, like, I, I, I could have a conversation about what the mom is doing. Well, like, I thought that she basically just my, initiated the events. But Yeah, my theory is because, you know, they set up that whole thing where he stum- stumbles into the house, like, early on. that He's just, like, kind of a shitty fucking knight. Uh, uh-huh. trying to like make his comeuppance and this is his mom's way of like babying him and just like creating this scenario in which it's technically very easy for him to test himself all, he, all he's got to do is like face the green knight and then the fact that he decides to follow through with the green knight's challenge the mom isn't down with like she just wanted him to take advantage of like the green knight showing up and being like i'll meet you at the round table and then he's like i'm gonna take it a step further and i'm actually gonna go meet him in a year and the mom was like not cool with that because she knew that he would die as a result and that's why the fox follows him the whole time is because it's trying to like get him to come home because it thinks he's being being an idiot that answers a question that i would have had it's like if that's the fox is a mom and like what is her motivations throughout yeah. Do you think like Which, what I, I? That's just my theory. Do you get? Do you think that that is that holds water? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think um, I think what's funny about the whole every incident that he encounters is that she gives him so many opportunities to be noble or take the noble route, like the obvious noble route, right? To the point where she turns into a talking fox and tells him, "Let's go home." But there's subtler, there's subtler incidents of that too, and he still like fucks it all up or fucks up a lot of it, and so I think that's just like a true profile of his like cowardice and his pride that he fucks up these really easy uh, tasks of character, right? Tests of character. We talked about this while we were watching the movie the second time, just like while we were in the theater, Justin how he's very like main character uh, rpg logic like when he meets that uh headless woman or ghost or whoever she is she's like oh my head's like in the lake or whatever you help me get it and he's like what like what are you going to give me in return he's like and she's like why would you ask that (laughs) like just get just go get my (laughs) head but like that's totally in a video game like rpg scenario that's like the dialogue that, that you would select for sure and like. that's exactly that's a that's a great point of what i'm saying too is like what person asks that like what okay like i'm not gonna ever encounter yeah. a ghost asking me to fetch your head out of a pond but i'm also not gonna like try to get something out of it either right like that's just not he's clearly of poor character to ask something like that I think that his character... It also feels like the ghost is kind of, like, aware that they're doing this dance. Like, they're in a goddamn, like, medieval folk story. And there's, like, a certain understanding between the characters that, like, if you encounter, like, a character and it's, like, asking you to do stuff, you don't, like, like, try to talk it down in price or, like, you know, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you act like the way a character would act in a, in a night story and so the ghost understands is that he should just accept the challenge yeah we're not this is not the place for like the transaction of value mm-hmm. we are in a folk story yeah what do you why would you even ask that question does it even make sense in the context of what we're doing right right, right. it's funny though because it's like that piece of dialogue totally sounds out of place for that reason yes. but it sounds totally at home because of my experience playing video games like skyrim it's like yeah that totally makes yeah, sense that yeah. he would that this is the like bargaining phase of the dialogue tree like you want yeah you want to use like your persuade skill to like get a little bit more gold this is probably like the second playthrough of Gwen's character where you make a little bit less like morally righteous decisions the second time sure you know? right right trying right. to yeah trying to gain more more rupees it's also like the way she phrases that too why would you why would you say that or why would you ask that why would you even ask that or ever ask that it was phrased in a very sort of contemporary way and i feel this is probably reaching but i feel like that's intentional that's almost like her stepping out of the story and being like what the fuck you know like well even like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. even the way she says it feels very like modern sure like jj abrams star wars kind of dialogue like why would you you know very quippy right it's totally like it takes a step outside of the historical period piece right like type of dialogue all right yeah so that means it's time for our next segment called what if it were real and this is the segment where we talk about what if it were real what if it were real i think in in this case with this movie maybe it's just what if you yourself were Gawain? what decisions would you make how would you interpret the story unfolding in front of you maybe we can all assume that we make it past like the the green knight like challenge and we get into like adventure adventure period and then like how would you handle each of those situations is that fair i think so yeah yeah all right who wants to start trevor i guess i just am trying to think about what if i were in that like ghost headless situation or if i saw the the giants or if i got mugged how would I deal with those? And I actually thought a lot about the mugging situation. Because even the first time I watched it, when they tied him up and they left him under that tree, I'm like, all right, they're leaving. Now he should like work on like scooting his way over to the sword. So I was thinking about it very practically. Like if I was tied up and left to die, like in the woods... Like, the first thing you want to do is sort of, like, shuffle your way over to the sharpest thing or a sword or something to try and get loose. Whereas, like, in his mind, his whole other scenario is just to lay there and die. And maybe, like, other people would, would see that as the only option. Yeah, I agree. So, I'm, I mean, what would you do? What would you do in that situation? Or, like, if you saw, like, giants or something or uh-huh. whatever. Justin? <laughs> oh, okay. me? I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? I thought you were talking to Raul. Um, I, were you? I was I was talking to Raul, but whoever, what would you, I don't know. Just pick pick a Gawain adventure and decide like how you would handle it. 
Me? Whoever. Okay, I'm, I'll go. I'm gonna fucking hang uh, up. Well, when you first asked when you first asked this question, I thought I probably wouldn't make it past the kid bandits. I would just assume there was nothing sharp enough to tear off these ropes and I would die. But um <laughs> You know, as much as I hounded him for wanting to bargain with the headless St. Winifred or any of the other poor choices that he made later in the movie, I feel like I would also make similar choices. The least noble path, because that's usually the most uh, beneficial or fruitful path, right? Yeah. All right. Justin being opportunistic. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And not helping. Not very nightlike of you. Yeah. Why would you even say that? I guess maybe an even better question is: Let's say that you actually had the same experiences, uh, Gwen, leading up to the challenge of the the Green Knight. And it seems like you. I think you brought this up, Raul. Like, why can't you just like hang out and just like stay in Camelot and? Right, right. Which I like that the movie touches on. He's like, why can't I just like fuck the, all this off? Right. Why am I duty bound to do this and put my life? It's like, is the what's going to happen if I don't do it? And it's not super clear. And so, I don't know. Do you think you how you would have the discipline or the headstrongness to go and find the Green Knight, or would you just like say fuck it and chill? So this is this is a part of the movie that I think is like the best part of the movie, and which is why I think like coming into it fresh, not even knowing what it was about, put me in the situation of the character in a way that I thought was like super interesting. And so I'm kind of like with Justin, like that I would behave a lot of the ways that that character did. Mm-hmm. More than anything else, like to me, I, I'm like that guy is acting just like any regular person would in that situation because like the average guy is not super brave or virtuous and that's how he's acting and he's conflicted all the time and you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. he's acting like the everyman and that's what i would do i don't think i would be much different to the point where at the end like i still think that he died at the end i I like that interpretation of it because then it's the story of this character who's like been fed all his life like this the the culture of knighthood and being virtuous and all these things and it turns out in the end to just all be bullshit like just stories that people at his castle that's what that's what they tell each other it's part of like their stories that they say as a society but when you leave that and you go out into the real world it's just fucking rough and cold yeah and like it will kill you mm-hmm. no qualms about it like it will just chop your head off mm-hmm. and uh, not even think twice i do like that yeah so that was that was my interpretation sort of related to that i've had some like real anxiety lately about uh climate change just in general and this <laughs> this movie like sure. really like underlined it for me it's like because i had like i didn't i couldn't put it as succinctly as you just did but just being like yeah like nature doesn't give a fuck about what you're up to like it'll cut your head off without a second thought so that's the end of that segment <laughs> We have technically Thunder Round, but I haven't written anything for it. Actually, do you want to do a couple and just Thunder Round Justin? Okay. Can you come up with one? A Thunder Round question? Uh, Can you come up with one? You can come up with one. I can come up with one. Just do two. (sighs) 
Is this different than a lightning round? It's the same. It's very different. I mean, it's subtle, subtle differences, but you know, you just, I think technically ours is superior. Right. You just play Thunderstruck like as the bad music. What is the what's scarier, a Attack on Titan giant or a headless ghost? Ooh, definitely a headless ghost, because you can just really serpentine your way out of the Attack on Titan giants. Well, I mean, like, uh, maybe just from, like, an ob- observational perspective. Like, if you oh. were... Like, those seem like uh, dream-ish characters, so I feel like you could encounter either one in a dream. Yeah. And so, like, how scary would each of those characters be in that context? De- yeah, definitely the the giant, right? The, like, yes. insane scale that you've never seen before. Like, that yes. kind of thing. Where you go crazy just looking at it. Yeah, Have you guys ever scary. had dreams where you are moving like really fast and really high up? Like as if you were traveling on something like one of those giants? Well, it's like, a, yeah. like in the movie Ants. You guys have seen the movie Ants? Uh-huh. There's a part where someone gets stuck to like the bottom of like a human's shoe. Like an ant gets sure. the and the they're just like soaring like across uh, the landscape, like hun- I'm assuming like hundreds of miles at a time, just stuck to this person's shoe. And obviously, like the earth beneath you is like hundreds of feet below, and it's just whipping by super fast. I feel like I've had dreams like all throughout my life that are just like that simulated feeling, like just. I have yeah no I've had that dream before the sense of just like unbelievably fast movement it just it's just like makes you feel minuscule yes i've had one where like i i had the feeling of like um if i was like the size of a pinhead like on my thumb and my thumb and my fingers just like like through space and i'm just like splayed out on it yeah yeah going going a million miles an hour i feel like i've had something similar to that you have any cool scale dreams, Justin? Yeah, scale dreams. No, I have super jump dreams. I don't have fly dreams, but I have like super jump dreams where I do jump high in the air and then slowly fall back down. Oh, you slowly fall back down. I do. I get the feeling in my stomach and everything. Well, it's like the fact that you can like slowly descend because I feel like I've had the same type of dream, but like I fall, like I fall at like regular airspeed velocity sometimes i fall but i think the majority of the time it's like a gentle it's like a gentle like slower descent that's amazing that you can do that. that's nice i feel like that says something about your like mental stability like in general the fact that you can that you can slowly descend yourself like subconsciously wow That's the greatest compliment I've ever been served. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look them up at at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week is done by Trevor Mowry, probably. Trevor Mowry. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Connect with us at at Filmholepod on Twitter and Instagram. And 
the film hole on TikTok now. TikTok. Thanks again. See you next week. See you next week. Special thanks to our guest, Justin uh, Sir Wheatley. Thanks, guys. This is great. (laughs)